The Harry Corey Summer Sale is now on with massive savings and fantastic ideas to transform your home for less. Visit us in-store or online at harrycorey.com. Harry Corey, the curtain embedding specialist. The Summer Sale is now on. episode of Laughter Unlocked, I've got with me Hal Crittenden. Hal, how are you? Are you surviving this ridiculously hot weather? Yes, I'm, I'm more worried about my dogs actually, but it is crazy. We are hitting, we, this is the hottest day ever, isn't it? In the UK in yes. general. You, you said you've got a hottest temperature in Glasgow. We're going to go to, uh, well, I've got a high where I live in Enfield in North London of 39 today wow. on my phone. <laughs> We're at 35 now. Well, I suppose down in Enfield or down in the sort of London area in general, you're kind of used to reasonably hot days from time to time. But yeah. can you imagine what it's like in Glasgow? I mean, we're going to be... this Today is the is going to be the hottest day on record in Scotland. We, we're going to be... It's going to be touching eight or nine degrees. And I don't know... <laughs> no, no, seriously, it's going to be... They reckon 35 degrees. We are not built for that. We're really not. I had a friend who was, but this is what's so weird about the different parts of these sort of tiny islands, is that I've got a friend who recently went to visit her sister. Is it ben, Benbecula? Oh, little ben, like Western Island. Benbecula, yes. I, one of my very, very closest friends is from Benbecula, yes. I can tell you. Yeah, all and it's, uh, it's uh, temperature, I mean, it's, it's only about 16 there. So that, that's the hottest it's going to get. <laughs> it's so weird how that could be 20 degrees less than the rest of than even Glasgow. It's mad. Geographically, it's not that not uh, that far away, but they've got the Atlantic wind coming in off the, you know, off the sea, right. so that may, that may play a part in it. But yeah, it's gorgeous, so um, it's a long way to continue, but it is, it's a bit of a shift. And you mentioned your, your dog that you're worried about. I mean, I've got a pug, and pugs are yeah. They don't. They don't deal with any kind of weather, you know. And um, no. so she, she's just looking for shaded areas everywhere at the moment. The poorie thing. I know they're just all being very slow, and they haven't been walked for two days by two because we just even at night it's so hot. They're going, don't walk your dogs at all, and they don't seem to want to be. It's very. I've got two. I've got a very big one with the short head one, and I've got a very furry one that I should have got clipped. Oh yeah, I've got a little cockapoo. So he's furious. I put a picture out actually on Twitter of him giving me side eye, furious because he's just. <laughs> And I just got outside. So I, I, I just sprayed them with this little. I went up to them and sprayed them with this fan with water on it that I've got, and that really annoyed them. They, the dogs are just idiots. They don't understand anything. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to help I'm you. Trying to help. Yes. Spraying water on them as they run away from the water. Yeah. Rita was lying next to me on the couch last night. Well, Re- sorry, Rita's my my pug, and yeah. uh, she was lying next to me. And as the really freezing cold, damp cloth just. I, dabbing her you know, ear in the top of her head and yeah. she thought she had died and gone to heaven. She was really enjoying it. So oh, she... okay. But anyway, enough about enough, enough about dogs and weather. This will be going out in the first week of Edinburgh, so you will be just about to start your show and it's called It's Best You Hear It From Me. Do you want to tell me a little, yeah. bit, a little bit about it? Well, can I say, first of all, it's lucky that certain events happened because my agent talked me into this title and I was just saying to someone going, don't let your agent talk you into titles because it's, I didn't like the title. I, I wanted Hal Crutton to dish it out but can't take it. The <laughs> office all went, that's too long, we don't like it. I went, but it's just absolutely true. I do dish it out and I can't take it. And it's just, and, the, and I always have this whole thing about the way Britain is like that. We, yeah. we can be horrible to ourselves, but we don't look anybody else agreeing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> yes, it's like, we go, oh, our country's rubbish. Oh, the NHS, oh, transport. And if a French person goes, yes, it is rubbish, we go, we saved you during the war. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a sort of British thing about we can be horrible 
horrible. I wouldn't be horrible to ourselves, but don't ever give it back to us. Anyway, I wanted to call it that. But my agent said, it's best to hear it from me. See, you see, you see, you see, this is before the event happened that justifies the title. It's so ridiculous. This, this is way back last year when I was going to start touring at the beginning of this year. And he said, I just, you said it during a show and it really made me laugh. He said, you do this thing with the audience where you do do a lot of interaction. You end up, it's best to hear it from me. Yeah. You know, this marriage isn't going to last or this, you know, whatever. And I'm always horrible to people. And I don't know why he really liked it. So I agreed to it. And then it, it always annoyed me because it made no real sense. And I thought I've landed myself with this title. And then about 10 months ago, I know this is what people usually create their Edinburgh shows at the beginning of the year of Edinburgh, but this is because I was meant to be touring earlier. Then last September, my wife left me and then suddenly it all makes sense, which was, and it took about, I'm not saying I'm, I am in therapy. Don't panic about me being too hard about this, but there was part of me that about five minutes after she said, I'm going, I went, Show title makes sense. I've got news. I've got news. Um, oh, wow. I've got this great image of, of that conversation unfolding. It's when you're like, yeah. oh, that, oh, that's not good. However. No, exactly. <laughs> she, said, she said to me, she said, oh, you're going to do material about this, aren't you? I went, oh, you think? You think? <laughs> I was just like, oh. it was just... No, it, it's been a bit of a godsend to my show, yeah. but obviously turned my life upside down. Yeah. And I've lost, you know, I'm gonna, you know, this ha- we're, we're, we're taking ages to leave each other. We've been, I don't know how long, have you been married a long time? So I know, I don't know. I, we, yes, uh, we, uh, ooh, 1998 we get married. So, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, next year, next year will be a silver wedding. Oh, but I, all I can say is don't, don't, you know, don't. Rest on your laurels. She could still leave you before then. Oh, listen! Uh, I'm, waking up, I'm waking up every single day thinking this might be the day, and I'm pretty sure <laughs> if I was to if I was to to, to talk about my wife on stage uh, in any way, shape, or form, <laughs> that would be it. Yeah, uh, but but it is weird that you. This is the growth area of divorces. Lots of people. This used to be a time when our parents would sort of. I mean, and my wife and I are not. We're not at each other's throats or mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. It was just a, my wife just going. No, I want more than this. I. Yeah. I, I I don't think, you know, I think a lot of people stay together going, I'm not really in love with this person anymore. Mm-hmm. And they kind of stick it out and we're good mates. And that's what me and my wife had become, sort of good mates. Um, and and I still, um, yeah, I didn't want to be left. but um, And I did still think there was chance of things. But, but, it, but it's actually, I, don't, it, I can't help. But I knew this would be terrible. I start talking about this in the podcast no, 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 and not no, within no. the stringent structure of a joke. No. But but it is no, it is the thing of going. It is quite exciting as well. It's undeniably exciting to be in your early fifties and go. I've got to find out so many things about myself. I've, I've not lived by myself. You've got to start my again. Late 20s. You've, you've, you've got to start yeah. again. And and you you started by losing a couple of stone. Am I right? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> that was mainly to get the ring off, which you can still see the ridges. Do you see yeah. the ridges? Yes, I do. Of that I also, I've got a funny thing on the screen. Um, but yeah, it's um, you've still got the ridges in my finger. Um, sorry, is this, no. I just realised I've got a thing on the screen. This doesn't. Do, do you ever record the video of this? No. Well. Oh, what does no, it this matter? is purely this is purely audio, but but uh, but the oh. um but the listeners are picturing the ridge in your finger. Yeah, and, yeah. And, I've and, still and, got a January. I got that ring off, yeah. and it was so embedded in my finger that it still left this mark. So it looks like 
Now I'm a guy that's just gone out thieving oh. and taken the ring off. Oh. Just hi, ladies. That's not um, going to help. That will not help. And I was going to say in, in, in a nightclub or something, but maybe it won't be a nightclub, really. I, mean, how does I, I don't think I should no. be in nightclubs at 52. <laughs> so you've got you've got lots of stuff to learn. And 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 by the way, I'm talking. I'm 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 like a year behind you. If this happened to me next yeah. year, I'd be in the same boat. So what, yeah. what what do you do? What do you, what what do you think about? You got to think about things like um, Tinder and. <laughs> that's what everybody goes to I know, it's a bit of a go-to suggestion but it is, people talk about that and you go, well I, I yeah I, I, the, the, my problem is I've got grown up kids so when or if those situations arise I'm not going to talk about them publicly because I would want my kids to sort do you know what I mean? Yeah, if one of your kids' friends popped up on the screen and you had to swipe left or right that could be like, you know, pretty awkward But you see, I mean, I've literally, I'm such a listen, I've not done any apps or anything like that because they do quite frighten me, I've heard some really scary things yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's, it really breaks so I, I think I'm actually still too emotionally damaged I'm yeah. basically my self-esteem is so low that I would just you know I'd, I'd fall in love with someone chatting to them and then they'd ghost me or whatever that's the word isn't it that <laughs> yes, they'd ghost you. and I'd just be broken hearted I, I know but I'm just right for that I'm uh, Callie Beaton who's a comic who's been single a long time and has done loads of um, she's she's done apps and stuff and yeah. she gave me a little pet talk going let you know something hell if you if you were on a dating app, I wouldn't touch you because you're dangerous. You're the just recently divorced man who doesn't know who he is. He's completely lost, and you're looking for somebody to save you and look after you. And I would run a mile. Yeah. So so I'm still in the danger zone. So I think maybe I've got to, you know, I first of all got to get out of my house because we're we have got a big house and we live in two separate parts of it. We're finally putting it on the market this week. We've taken months to sort of that because it's all been very gentle. So there'll be people viewing the house probably while I'm in Edinburgh. We're going to have crises. We've got to get out. So I, I'm really looking. I'm looking forward to that bit of having my own place. Mm-hmm. Even I'm going to probably rent for a bit, but it's having my own house, having my own area, having something that's all mine. Because my wife is very artistic, and she's been completely in charge of what house we buy, yeah. how we design the house. And and I, you know, I admit, I'm sorry. Is that I've got this door open? Sorry, you're hearing very. That's okay. That's fine. But I can. Um, I've suddenly got to make lots of those decisions. I, you know, you probably might be twigging why she left me she did she did a lot of organizing and i suddenly did yeah. myself and i'm sort of looking forward to becoming a better yeah. person in that way you know yeah we are so similar we are so similar i i feel as though i'm an employee in our relationship mm. with my boy you know she pretty much makes all the decisions tells me how i should go about things and she makes the decisions as far as how the house will look and so on yeah. and i just like you know go, because she's very good at it so i'm quite i'm quite happy to sort of nod and, and, and go along yeah. with it what i was going to say though is that you're talking about the the kind of technical side of of people trying mm. to find a new relationship and later on in life but it, it, can you imagine that the kind of gen z um you know generation being put back to say the late 80s or the early 90s and having to having to find a, you know, ask someone out yeah. or, or find, find someone in a bar and walk up to them and use their mouth and and then reduce themselves and then face the, the crushing rebuttal, you know. Yeah. Whereas now, now it's just a case of, oh, you're blocked. Yeah. Or, oh, I'll swipe right or swipe left. You know, so I, I don't think, you know, people our age should be too hard on ourselves when it comes to, to that no, we were warriors, weren't we? We were looking <laughs> look back and go, we were very brave. Yeah. We was just oh, it was horrendous. It was. It, it, yeah, there could be there, there could have been maybe four, three or four girls standing together in a bar, and you're with your pal, yeah. and you're nudging and saying, right, okay, you're going to have to. You like that girl? You're going to have to go up and ask her out or get to know her or whatever. 
And what an incredibly difficult thing oh. that was looking back. It's, it's why men behave so stupidly, because what they're trying to do is cover up the fact that they are, well, that men always pretend they have no emotions anyway, but they're trying to pretend it doesn't matter. We don't care. I'm just asking you, but actually you've been, you know, you when, when you've been turned yeah. down, you're being slammed. And, yeah, we we were a hard, maybe we were a harder generation. I think probably men are nicer about each other's emotions now, but but we weren't good to it, were we? We just we did find it hilarious yeah. when people were just you know yeah. dumped and um, and women were women always allowed to be horrible to men. But then I don't know, men. Yeah. I, I don't want to start getting on a rant. I mean, that's nothing I'm not becoming, but being divorced is a sort of anti-woman rant. Sorry, <laughs> I was going to say that help people like kind of build a thick skin I, I had a mate who um, by his own admission was, wasn't Brad Pitt and he every weekend he would just like you know go up to the first no not interested okay what about your mate no she's not interested either okay what about your other mate no she's not interested okay well fine then he'll just go back to the bar and have a pint yeah. but, he, but he was uh, he built a thick skin yeah you know? had tinder or anything else around in those days it wouldn't have been as much fun no but also also there's the thing of if you go on those apps and you can all look each other up now can't you even if, if i went on under another name can't people look at your face and go oh and then they find all your youtube stuff and they see you doing so that's the other thing with being a comic that i think yeah. about, and i know comics that do do this and basically everybody sees you they look up all your you know live at the apollo all the things you've done on, on yeah. And they're going to think you're going to be hysterical. They don't realise that comedians are boring nightmares off stage, that <laughs> they've concentrated all their funniest things into 20 minutes on that set that you've seen on YouTube. And then you've got to sit having dinner where they go, you're not very funny. And you go, oh, no. You know, to me, it's almost, I couldn't bear that either. I would I would always, yeah. oh, God, I'm going to have to go far abroad or something, when, or to a very, pri- a very primitive culture where they can't get online and check out my stand-up. <laughs> how's, yeah. how's dating someone um, from the Amazon rainforest? Because <laughs> anybody can be looked up now, can't they? Everybody can be looked up and they can check you out. So yeah, exactly. And then one day they got the internet in the Amazon rainforest, and that yeah. was it. So I'm heading home. <laughs> they discovered who I am. But the um, the, yeah, the, the weight loss thing. And I don't want to dwell on mm. this too much, but I am fascinated to learn. What, you know, what did you do? Oh, I did. There's, there's a few of us out there that need, need to shift the pound. Yeah, I did. Two. I lost a two stone, and I kind of want to lose about another stone. I must admit, because uh, I'm still a chubby bloke. But I'm, but I did the 800 calories diet. Michael, whatever his name is, I haven't looked at the book for ages. See, all I'm doing is holding <laughs> steady. I'm holding steady at my waist, which is about 13 yeah. stone five, and I was 15 stone seven when I started. Uh, so January, I went New Year. Here we go, and it was I was surviving on 800 calories a day continuously, and and, and I like those extreme diets. And people online all go, never do extreme diets, never do fast weight loss. Uh, fa- fast weight loss is what's exciting to me. Is what going? Oh, I managed. You know, I lost six pounds in the first week. If you were 25, 30 stone, you'd probably lose a stone in a week. It's very exciting. Very quick. The bigger you are. Yes. No, well, Stefan and the scales, I'm convinced my scales are broken yeah, and I'm sure a lot exactly. of people say the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. But because I I, uh, I I put a lot of effort into it. Technology helps now too. So I don't know whether you, I don't want to mention the brand, but whether you have a kind of smart watch that you look at that tells you how many calories you're burning every day. Because that's always quite a good incentive. Yeah, I do that. I'm a bit of a part-timer with Noom. Is it the, the one? On, I've had that on my phone for ages and I've kind of ignored it. For yeah. you. But that shows you a chart of your weight loss and you do put in everything you've yeah. eaten that day. But I only, I'm yeah. really part-time with it. I'm kind of holding steady. I'm not eating. I'm just being much more careful. It's got me into good habits. I literally yeah. would eat 
some sort of chocolate bar and a packet of crisps virtually every day when I was going to a gig or something. And I just don't do that anymore. Yeah. It's just easy to have dropped that. Yeah. I'm trying to knock drinking on the head again for a bit uh, because that's a killer. Late night beers mm-hmm. after gigs. It's just, yeah. and it's just, yeah. it, it is wrong. It makes me so happy. <laughs> and, yeah. But it's what it may, how it makes you feel the next day as yeah. well because a part of the hangover process mm. is grazing, just eating everything that's in front yeah. of you in the, the next day. You know, and you just find myself just looking in the fridge and looking in cupboards because I've been had a few pints the night before. Yeah. So it all kind of knocks what you know. Exactly. But it but it's just for me, weight loss has always been just any I dieted a lot ten years ago. And it's just that thing where something clicks in my brain and I go, Yes. And then ten years of gradually putting it all back on and I got really big again and somebody's go, oh, I can't start today, I can't start and suddenly it's like, Yes, again, you're gonna do this. And I, it's just that decision of going, I am going to do this. And I don't know how I can be in that state or I can't be, but just sometimes it's just, yeah. it's going to happen. I'm sure getting divorced and suddenly being a single man in your 50s, you do suddenly go, which is terrible. It's terrible to think that that, that bothers you. But when you're cosy in a marriage and you think you're all loved anyway, and, oh, she loves me, she loves me, for everything about me and all the rest, but you do sort of let yourself go. And suddenly when you're on your own and going, I mean, it's not like I'm desperately hunting for another woman. I do want to go and have time by myself. But <laughs> it's great for material, if anything. Yeah. God, I'm doing a pitch yeah. and an idea for a radio thing the other day that was all about me being single and dating, going, I'm going to have to, if I want to plough this field of being single in my 50s, I've got to not have a relationship in my 50s. You know, uh, or... Yeah. I, I maybe I wouldn't I maybe wouldn't put that in your kind of Tinder yes. story either. You know, I will yes. be a, I'm here purely for sex. <laughs> <laughs> I want to use as many of you as possible for a project I'm yeah. doing, um, and, and, and it's a comedy project. <laughs> and you'll yeah you'll get to you'll get to be on the on my regular TV series with me talking about you behind your back. It'd be amazing. <laughs> Unless of, unless, of course, you live in the Amazon rainforest yeah. and you're just, we're just wasting each other's time yeah. at the moment. Anyway, you're looking good and, you look, and you're feeling healthy and, and, yeah. and, you know, fit and ready for a good old run at Edinburgh. Yeah, and you, that's the other thing about getting divorced. And it wasn't that my wife made me feel bad, but I did feel bad that I destroyed our summers. But, you know, Edinburgh takes your August, yeah. which is the time when everybody's off work. It's the time for socialising, for holidays, for all those things. Yeah. And Edinburgh destroys that. And I, and I did, you know, I didn't do that many Edinburghs. Oh, sorry. I only started really regularly doing Edinburgh for the last 10 years. I did do it on and off quite a bit. But I think going to Edinburgh, it's so lovely to be there now going, I have no guilt. I have no guilt yeah. about being away. You know, my kids are grown up. They they'll, they come up and visit anyway and stay. They always did. My wife was never yeah. a fan of Edinburgh. She was. She remembered the early years and I was just very stressed going, oh, I, I, I want to be nominated this year. I want this to happen. I want, and, and then it wouldn't, have, you know, it wouldn't happen and I'd be annoyed. I mean, now she, it's far more, it's, for me, Edinburgh is more relaxing anyway because I don't have that pressure of I need to be discovered or anything. People just, you know, I can really yeah. enjoy the show. Um, sure. But I'm really looking forward to just going, I don't feel bad that I'm away. <laughs> yeah, it will obviously be a pretty special Edinburgh this year after what's happened in the last couple of yeah. years. There wasn't one at all in 2020. Last year was a kind of fringe light, I suppose. Yeah. Actually, which brings me on to, so you had COVID yourself, didn't you? I you, did. you, you struck down it quite badly. Yes, I got it very badly. I got it. I got. I went to bed with it about 12 hours before Boris Johnson announced he had it in March 2020. Oh, He's always got to copy someone. He, he normally, would co- he copies Nicola Sturgeon he's, with his policies. He's now so he's copying you with the COVID. By the way, do you know this? I don't <laughs> know if I can make, make this 
I've only thought of this today, and I'm thinking about it as a bit of material. And I'm not sucking up to you as a Scotsman, but just talking about Nicholas no, Sturgeon. No, no. I was thinking, why are Scottish politicians seem so impressive to me? And I thought, I'm, I know they generally, I like Scottish politics a bit more than what's happening in the rest of the UK, but it's the accent. I actually think everybody who d- takes part in politics should talk in a Scottish accent. There is something trustworthy. <laughs> there is something righteous. There is something about the accent that is perfect for politics. And it's a, bit, a bit of gravitas. It is, it's gravitas. Yes. And I almost, I mean, maybe this is offensive to Scottish people, but I almost think all, poli- all politicians all. No, should learn a Scottish accent and just converse in with a Scottish accent, you know, from whatever part of the UK, because I just love it. I just... Question time, when Ian Blackford sets up, I go, oh, here we go, here's a little bit of righteous fury. And, do you know what I mean? And it's partly <laughs> yeah. what the accent gives. A, it just is. I just, I just think, I mean, I'm not, because I actually put a thing on Twitter and he went, oh, thank you, Hal Lewis, because I'd actually said, I think it's the accent, though. I think, I, I, I'm not, you know, scared to say there aren't great Scottish politicians, but we, we're very impressed by them. I, I find the way that Nicola Sturgeon is viewed in Scotland quite often, people have very fierce hatred of her or love her. You know, because there's because she's, well, she, she's abs- but the yeah. rest of the UK really tends yeah. to be seen as quite impressive and quite oh that's a good yeah. politician. And I'm I'm sure English people are just they love the gravitas of the accent. Anyway, I've been completely done. <laughs> Not at all. That was quite a common thing to see on social media during the height of the pandemic and how the the various leaders were dealing with it. But you, you would often see someone down south tweeting, "Oh, can we come up to Scotland and have Nicola Sturgeon <laughs> as our leader?" Because she's just dealing with it. Yeah, but I mean there have been. In, in the last, you know, 20 or 30 years, and quite a lot of big-hitting mm. heavyweight Scottish politicians who have performed incredibly well in Westminster oh, in the cabinet. You look at Tony Blair's cabinet and, was sort of half Scottish, I think, in 97. Or was it, yeah, you know, and he, yes, um, yeah. Gordon, Gordon Brown, if he hadn't tried to play that, or well, I'm going to smile more, would, just should have gone for completely... Gravitas, I'm, you know, and he, yeah. he tries he, almost like a church minister, or someone yeah. that you can look at and you think he's going to tell the truth. Exactly, he's just he's got that honesty about him, and he speaks with authority. Exactly, and he's not going to he's not going to tell things. No, exactly. But yeah. sorry, you were I realised I got off on one when you were asking about the COVID. Yes, yeah, so well, we yeah. were talking about COVID. How you had had it to put twelve hours before yeah. uh, before Boris Johnson, and I was making the point that he was uh, he was copying you exactly. in the same way that he copied exactly. Nicholas Sturgeon, and that's what goes on. No original ideas. No, but I. I got it very bad. I mean, I must admit, I got it so early that I wasn't at any point worried because I was still at that time of going, hey, I'm, you know, I, what was I? I was just 50 and I was going, oh, this is mainly old people. This is killing. Um, and it's going to, you know, I, so I wasn't, didn't have any worry. I didn't realise like Boris Johnson would end up in intensive care. I had a friend die mm. who um, was late 50s, but he had, um, he did have MS, but MS doesn't mean you're going to, you know, he could have lived for 30 more years. So I never felt that worried. My wife was quite worried at the time because my basically I I don't usually get sick and I got sick really. I had extreme temperature stuff going on that wouldn't come down. And I was, um, my my breathing wasn't dodgy, but but I did end up talking to a doctor. I have, I don't know if I can share this very dark joke I have about it. Um, On you go. I don't know, even in shows they go, that's a dodgy thing to say. But I go, there's part of me, because there was a chance I could have gone into hospital, there was part of me that slightly wanted to, because I don't actually remember the first wave, but they were applauding survivors out. (laughs) As a comic who wasn't doing any gigs, I really (laughs) needed that. I really (laughs) needed to be getting some attention. So yes, I would have loved a little set, but I was was never going to be 
you know, seriously. You could have, you could have done an encore. You could have done an encore and quickly kind of caught yes. it again and go back in and then I'm walk back in. Oh, no, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, it was it was horrible. It was it was so um, it was horrible, but also quite weird. I mean, my temperature went so weird. I sort of was a bit hallucinating and stuff. I think. Because I remember just lying into them, just yeah. just that sort of thing. It was very Victorian. I was doing this sort of huge shaking and freezing cold while my body was pouring sweat. It was a real extreme thing. But um, but yeah, I I almost feel like because I got the original one and I got it right at the start, I've had all the vaccines, but I've never caught it again. And I wonder if yeah. I had this. I mean, it's probably rubbish. I know it gives you no protection from getting it again, but I don't know if I had a heavy dose that like particularly bounces off me now or something because I've. Very possible, yeah, very possible. I'm sure. I mean, I think I think the bottom line is no one really no. knows because I I know people who have had it three or four times, and, mm. I, and some people have yet to catch it at all. So other other way, my my wife had it at the very start, right. but didn't realise she had it. Um, you know, she lost her sense of smell and taste, yeah. and um, and then it was I think it was about three or four weeks after that 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 became an official symptom, Gosh. and she said, "Oh, well, that's what I had." And then spoke to the doctor, the GP, and they said, "Well, yeah, you obviously had it, but I don't think there was any chance, any way of doing an antibody test or whatever to physically right. confirm it." But that and was you, right. You back didn't, you didn't of, catch it off her. No, no. Or, or, unless, unless I had it, I, I may well have had it, and the symptoms. Because remember, they were saying the majority of people, the symptoms were so mild, you may not know you had yeah. it. So I might have thought I did get Omicron. All right. In December of last year, I was a bit of a trailblazer with Omicron because I think it's only just arrived in, in you, Glasgow. You and your wife are the, the specialists of the super spreaders of Glasgow. Yes, <laughs> we do. Yeah, we, we were kind of setting the, the pattern for the, for the rest of it. So on, on the clapping thing, I, I was also, I'm a bit of a golf fanatic. Mm. And when everybody was out applauding the NHS and the streets were lined with people clapping, yeah. I had this fantasy of going out for a walk with my wife and she could carry my golf clubs like a caddy <laughs> and then we could walk up the street with everyone clapping and I would, I would imagine I was playing the 18th hole at St oh, Andrews and just, like, just waving to people as well. It's a bit dark as well. I don't think that was the whole point of clapping the NHS just for me to live out a golf fantasy. There was a lot of comics that were sort of standing on their doorsteps kind of pretending they were back on stage. <laughs> Further reductions in the Harry Corey summer sale with massive savings and fantastic ideas to transform your home for less. Visit us in store or online at harrycorey.com. Harry Corey, the curtain and bedding specialist. Further items reduced in store and online. I don't know what's the word. It was very. This, I, I I missed stand up like you wouldn't believe in terms of. I did these on, didn't you? I did, I did online gigs, like, you know, being, doing things on Zoom and everything. Yeah. And I did do car park. I did gigs in massive, with everybody lined up in their cars and honk. I did a driver. Yeah. yeah and they well. were weird and they'd flash their lights of approval and honk their horns if they loved stuff. And it, but it was still the same thing. And then in about July of 2020, we did an open air gig that was all very socially distanced in a park in North London. So she, the Times was there. They, she reviewed everything. But it was, it was, um, Matt Richardson and me and uh, some, some several comics and I was closing and I went on and you know usually we used to just say oh outdoor gigs are a nightmare and it's these people sitting on the grass in little separate areas and to be able to look somebody directly in the eye and do I mean we literally were nearly in tears we were so yeah you missed it so much and that's one thing that Covid's graced in me and possibly my divorce because it's actually helping it's actually, it's, it's helped me get through my divorce is how much I love my job, is how much mm-hmm. 
it means the world to me, that connection of talking to people and being able to perform. Whereas, oh my God, I really, really need this. Sorry for cutting in. I was just going to ask, did you do any any shows right when it all started to open up again and, and clubs opened up, but, you know, carefully? Mm. With where the audience had to wear masks. Yes, I did do ones with the audience wore masks. That must have been a very. Was it? Well, yeah, that I mean, was that a little bit weird. Are you, are, you la- are you laughing or not? Give me yeah, a clue. You exactly. Know? But they would be. People were very kind. That was the thing. People were people were quite kind to performers. I quite like that blitz spirit. We're all getting through this. It's uh, yes, it's awkward. Yes, it's not ideal, but um, audiences have been very nice about it. And I, you know, I I do quite a lot still on how I don't know how many people have stopped being performers because of COVID but I tend to do little rants about how tough it's been for us. And people are very nice about it. Yeah. I go, I'm going to be paying off my bounce back load for about five more years. And I'm still paying lots of tax to pay the paid fuel furloughs. You know, it's that sort of fury. <laughs> I'm sure one or two performers during lockdown discovered that they had a knack or a talent for online content and video content yes. and maybe are doing more of that. So they're may they they're possibly going back to live comedy, mm. but maybe not to the same extent. Mm. Did you dabble with that much? Certainly. Yourself? There's a friend of mine down here, Matt Green, who... Um, who is really becoming a bit of an online sensation. And he, that was basically, he got very good during lockdown. I used to do gigs with him and he'd be doing all the background stuff. And now he does lots of political stuff. And he's gone yeah. through the room. I mean, it's, it's changed the way he does things. I mean, it's not, for me, I, I'm just not, tech, I'm not that happy with, I'm okay with technology, but I just so, I'm maybe not organised enough to do things like that. But uh, yeah. it has to, I think it has to be, your, it has to be your kind of, your kind of world, if you like, you know, your people in the twenties, it's just so, it just comes so naturally to them, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, everything I do in social media is just, it's become such a fuss and so fidgety. And eventually I say to my son, oh, can you do this for me? I don't know what I'm, what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm, I want to put something on Instagram, but I don't know how to make it my story and I want to post mm. it and so on. Whereas the younger you are, you don't even think, you know, these, these, these aren't issues. You just do it. Second I know. nature. I know. It's so weird. Do you do the old man thing of asking your kids to help with, oh, how do I do this and that? Oh, absolutely. Just... Well, I, I, I'm fortunate enough that, that I've got a bit of a spread in ages. So my, my eldest is going to be 30. I've got a 23-year-old and I've got a 13-year-old. So she's, just a, she's just about to turn 14. And oh, she, wow. Yeah, she she I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying that she wasn't on the forward planning agenda <laughs> when she when she came into our world. But she's look, but she's I so am good. Horrible to my kids and always have been, and they've turned out fine. I say both my kids. I mean, my kids. It's work, it wasn't. They said, "Well, we planned." I went, "No, you always turned up too early." Like my my oldest was my oldest was born uh, about a year and ten days after me and my wife first met. Uh, we got married when she, you know she, she was pregnant when we got married, and then we thought, oh, maybe we'll get pregnant again, and then we were pregnant again immediately. And I was like, when well, I went both of you, to, I mean, I've said awful things to my kids. I mean, they, my oldest said, to, who's twenty one, said to me the other day, she went talking about the divorce, and she went, you can never really regret the divorce because um, you can't regret us being born. And I said, yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> For the sake of comedy, I've been horrible to my children. Yes, it's, all about the, it's, it's life's balance sheet. You know, your kid's self-esteem, but a few laughs, you know, exactly. so you've got to be it's up. It's far more important they have low self-esteem, but I can still support them financially through the jokes that they create. <laughs> Which does actually bring me on to what I was mm. going to ask you, how the, how the family feel about, you know, the divorce and everything being the show. Um, and are they, are they cool with it? They're very used to being a main part of my show, I think. I, they know that they're protected. So, so my, my, my youngest daughter's seen quite a lot of the jokes I do. Every joke I do 
involved my wife, I've run past her. So yeah, they're fine about it. I mean, they, you know, they're, if they were kids, this would not be possible. I was talking to a comic just a couple of days ago who got divorced and his kids were tiny. He said, I've never done anything about my divorce. I just couldn't. I went, exactly. Your kids are tiny. You can't be making fun of a terrible situation. I think something that's ripping their life apart. Whereas yeah. my kids sort of old enough to go, oh, well, these things happen. We're still being nice to each other. We're still, you know, mates. We're still, yeah. a, we're still a family of sorts. Do you know what I mean? And Yeah. And um, if dad's socially successful, it's more money for us. Down the exactly. Road. More money for them. But it, but it's also, I tr- it's also not, you know, I would never do, and I don't think many comics do. I don't think many comics would do a show where they'd rip into their ex-wife because everybody knows there's two sides. Everyone yeah. knows that even though my yeah. wife's left me, I'm not blameless. Of course, there's things that, you know, I could have been a better husband. I could have, could have not gone to Edinburgh so much. I could have, you know, I could have, um, <laughs> uh, you know, all those, we know it takes two to tango. I actually have a thing about this of going of, of the way that we always blame the man because even I usually blame a man in a divorce. So if a man's divorced, I usually think oh, it's probably his fault. What did you do? Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like you know, if it, what was it? Well, they say if a man if a man leaves a woman bastard, if a woman leaves a man, what did the bastard do to make her leave? <laughs> Whereas I would say I did nothing. Oh, that might have been the problem. I did nothing. <laughs> you know, but it, um, but uh, I mean, everyone. I, I think that's sort of accepted. So I think I would always be very careful about going. Oh, my wife left me. Poor me. I did nothing wrong. I'm such a sweet guy. I do like to make, my wife at least. Because she did say to me, she said, you're a lovely man and you're a great dad, but it's just not working. And I went, that is great to, to be able to say to an audience. My wife just said that, so I'm not a bastard, but how unsexy. How, that, that, <laughs> you know, if you're a bit of a bastard, people go, oh, I bet he's, he's probably, you know, I'd, I'd love my wife to have gone, you're a bastard, you're a terrible dad, but the sex has been amazing for 20 years. Just one more time before we get, you know what I mean? Um <laughs> I think if you're the nice guy being left, everybody goes, oh, right, yeah, no, I can see. Not very attractive. That's, that's what it is. But, um, but uh, yeah, I'm, it, I don't, in the show, I don't del. I mean, I go all around, you know, I, it's a framework for divorce. It's not everything about it because I'm still going through it. So it's sort of much more, what am I going to do now, being single? But it talks about COVID and I talk about, I have a bit of bashing of politics. I have a bit of talking about, loving the dogs and the kids and the kids being amazing and all so it sort of is like a place to spring off into other subjects i think it was i almost think like my next show would probably be even more about the divorce you know if i've got more distance from it because i think i'm still going through it i'm still yeah i'm still sort of sorting things out in my head so it's just an interesting point i'm at i think rather than being able to analyze it so edinburgh edinburgh obviously a stand-up and and that's i mean that's really your first love isn't it i know you were you were an actor and, and writer and so on and the fact you were you, you were an actor at a very young age and you, you started with some yes. massive names in theater <laughs> yes i did but um you're, you're never never more at home than you are when you've um when you're staring at the crowd and you've got a microphone in your hand i know and do you know what i when i first did it when it was first suggested to me somebody i was working with at the bbc i wasn't acting i was struggling between acting jobs and I was working as a traffic reporter. I used to read and write traffic reports. And someone there said, you should try stand-up. I'm doing this stand-up comedy workshop course and uh, you should have a go at this. And I went, oh, that just terrified me. But I only went, I went along to it going, oh, this might be good for writing one-man shows and stuff. This could be, you know, as a one-man acting show rather than the interaction thing. And the idea of it terrified me. I would, the idea of being witty off the cuff and being able to come back at people, all that scared the hell out of me as an actor. I was all about stick to your lines and all that. And, yeah. And it's so weird that now I've, you know, after years of doing it, it has come full circle and I absolutely feel much more relaxed 
being a stand-up than I do when I do a play. And I still do occasionally do a play. But I go, oh, God, that structure, if you could mess somebody else up, you're only messing yourself up when you're a stand-up, if you forget sure. something. Or, and you can say to an audience, this is rubbish. Or you can go up. I mean, it's, I still don't quite, I mean, I'm still a neurotic. I still crap myself sure. before big shows. But I never would have thought when I started doing stand-up that it would it would suit me so well. I really didn't because I was so frightened of it. Do you still have a have a a fear that you know you're going there's going to be a show a stand up show and something's going to happen that's going to be just the worst you know and I'm I'm trying to think of what that what that could be you know maybe a maybe a heckler who's funnier than you you know yeah. or, or or you know something along those lines I, have, I must admit you do occasionally but that's wonderful you have a heckler it usually helps the show you go thank you very much and they try yeah. again and usually they mess up on their second they get cocky. And they realise, oh, no, you did just get lucky with one line. I think the scary yeah. thing, I mean, somebody got up to attack me about three weeks ago, um, which hasn't happened for 12 years. Somebody stood up to attack me. Wow. And all I did was talk, I was talking about that thing of we usually blame the man in divorce. I was talking about that thing I've just yeah. been talking about with you. And yeah. he took it, and I said, I'm just saying, that's what society does. But he took such offence. His friend was holding him back. And, oh, no. I'm assuming, I'm assuming drink had been well, taken. I claimed I, that's what I said. You know, I ended up saying, you know, no, I'm just suggesting something that people say. And what happens is that you've drunk too much. When you say I'm drunk, I went, oh, no, sorry, you're a dick. Oh. I said, so you're not drunk. You're obviously a dick. Um, and then he got, up, <laughs> he got up to attack me. But it was just, it was so weird. And it's so, it's so for me, all those things that frighten me, the idea of stand-up, the idea of somebody rushing the stage or the idea of, of being, um, you know, booed off stage, it's weirdly, what it's not that you feel fear. I, I have to control my temper because my ego kicks yeah. in so hard that I go, I know I'm funny. I know, and I and once you've lost your temper, you've lost the crowd as well. But I mean, right, I've had, right, some, right. I've had some disasters. I've had so I many over twenty years of doing comedy. You have so many disastrous, total humiliations, and you realise that it is rubbish. You don't. You can, we call it dying. It's not nearly as bad as death. You can still, it's not nearly as bad as actually stopping living. You just go home and you pull the sheets over your head and you go, oh, I'm still alive. I can't believe how much everybody hated me. I've had a thousand people hate me at a corporate once three years ago in Birmingham. A thousand people hating me as I died on stage. You still go, yeah, I'm still driving home. I mean, I was driving home slightly upset and, you know, but it's not the end of the world. And yet people fear this public humiliation so much. And it's probably never as bad as you think either. No. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of comedians come off stage and think, my God, that was the worst. That was the worst yeah, ever. Yeah. But it was probably just a similar performance to one that went really yeah. and well. Yeah, you can have just terrible, crowd reaction. I've had terrible gigs where people come and go, well, I really enjoyed that. No, did you? That was one of the worst 20 minutes of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so you are, it's the 3rd to the 28th of August at uh, Pleasant's yes. Courtyard, is yes. that right? And it's... Uh, 10 past 8 at night, that's a pretty good time. Well, it's pretty competitive. There'll be lots of good people on at that time. But um, Yeah, but there'll be, there be a lot of people wanting to watch good shows exactly. as well because the folk will they'll, they'll have had their dinner, had a wee drink and looking for some They'll have had a wee drink, but they won't have gone to... I used, I did, when I first went to Edinburgh, I did shows at like quarters to 11 at night and all the weekends, oh, oh when people are really drunk. And you're going out there to do your art, <laughs> to do your creativity in front of people. They're just going, oh, tell us a joke. Oh, I'm just so drunk. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, 10 past eight is perfect. It's going to be nice. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, I'm going to make sure that when we give this all the big plugs on social media, I'm going to sure that I make sure I 
tag Nicola Sturgeon because you've said some nice things, nice things about her in the in the podcast. Uh, maybe so she'll come and see it. The first minister might she might pop in. She might pop in with, and, and and speak to you with some gravitas and tell you everything's going to be okay. I mean, what will be the deal if? I mean, I don't want to get something too political, but if Scotland gets independence, if yeah, will they be fine? They'll be fine with English people just moving and going. Can we move and live with you? It's not going to be a yeah, well, I've got a spare room. I'm sure there'll be a few people in the same boat. Exactly. Come up and... <laughs> be refugees from England fleeing to sanity. <laughs> <laughs> but the independence referendum is, I mean, it's game on, so it's next year. And so I'd imagine it'll be um, quite a few people will be discussing it as part of their shows God. as the campaign gets underway. Well, I used to talk about it going, I, I don't know if Scottish people know what they've let themselves in for because they could be a mass movement of middle class, liberal, lefty English people. Annoying them, setting up <laughs> Andram theatre companies on the corner and being very, oh, just so lovely. Yeah, we'll infuriate you. <laughs> I haven't decided how I'm going to vote, actually. Well, last time I voted yes. This time I will probably, probably vote yes. But that's mainly because I look at the way things are politically down south yeah. at the moment. And, you know, and, and however, that could change. You know, that could change in, in six months or in eight, in 12 months and, you know, things could be... But I think here. it is about... I think it's about, to, to me, uh, because London doesn't vote Tory, tends not, you know, voted Boris Johnson Tory, but London yeah. is a generally a Labour city. Most cities didn't vote Brexit in England. Most cities will tend to return... I mean, urban areas will tend to not return Tories. So there is still that same sense of being disenfranchised. But for me, the difference is... It doesn't really work in the UK because people's first love is, well, the English isn't. The English tend to be grown up thinking we're all British. The Scots, it is Scotland, yeah. it is Wales, it is Northern Ireland, it is, it's, you know, I, or, or Ireland. Um, but I, I think it's that perception. It's the fact that in London, people don't have that sense of grievance of going, we never vote for this government. Why do we have to put up with this government? Whereas in Scotland, it, it, it's an attitude. Which I, and I'm not blaming you, actually. I'm saying that that's why you should vote on that feeling rather than going, is yeah. it economically going to work? Of course it's going to be an economic nightmare. Of course, but they, you know, Brexit, they say, well, it yeah. wasn't about economic, but they sold it on that. But I, yeah. for me, I don't know. I, th I think it's that, I think it's the feeling that if you're Scottish, you actually do feel, oh, I'm trapped in another country. And in London, we just feel English yeah. enough that we go, our country's a bit mad at the moment and we don't agree with all the yeah. way they vote. But it's like, no. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's, it's a crazy old time. And if we were going to go down the, the politics road, we would have to extend the show for about two, exactly. <laughs> two hours. Yeah, well, I'm kind of getting to starting to run out of time a little bit. Um, so, again, just just to confirm this, so it's going to be Pleasant Courtyard, sorry, 10pm, 3rd to the 20th. Oh, on the 16th. I'm having a day off on the 16th. Don't come on that. What day of the week is Ooh. that? Do you know? I will look it up very quickly. It is a... This is smooth Tuesday. Ah, it's a Tuesday. I just wonder if, whether there is a particular day of the week that comics think, oh, that's not that's not a great day for um, you know for for sales of our audiences. So maybe they'll choose like someone mentioned a Monday isn't always a great day. But again, I might be I might be talking. You nonsense. don't know because it's August, isn't it? So loads of people are on holiday, so it's sort of. But I don't, well, I don't know. You've got that thing of should you take the day off, but it's an unusual day so that you can cash in when everybody else isn't going. You know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just, I mean, that it is mad. It, it is a bit mad the more I look at it. Going, we just we have one day off in the whole of the run. <laughs> um, what do you what do you do after Edinburgh? Have you got any, Are you going to be carrying on touring, or have you got a holiday planned? No, or? I have. I mean, I would love to have holiday. I'm so annoyed. My youngest sent me messages. He's on holiday in Cyprus, and I go, "Why is everybody on holiday apart from me?" I haven't got anything booked. 
I think my first gig, I finished on like, when's it finished? 20, oh Christ, what was the last date of Edinburgh? 28th, August the 28th. August 28th. Yeah, I finished on the 28th and then I've got a week, a week off and then I've got a gig on the 6th and then my tour starts. I've got a couple of corporate events, 6th and 8th and my tour starts on September the 9th. So I have a week and I'm going to have to leave it to the last minute because I don't know what my situation is going to be, whether I have a lot to do to get towards the house being sold and all the rest. But I haven't had a break for ages, which is why probably I, I talk a lot of nonsense on podcasts. <laughs> How do people go about getting tickets for all your shows? So just go on to your website on your socials. Yeah, go on to my website, but I'm by fringe ticket. I don't really, I don't really control. This is the thing. We're talking about not controlling our te- technology. How do you buy tickets made of a show? You go to the Ed Fringe site and you buy them on there. Or yeah, I think, you, you, I think you my that. website will direct you there. My tour show, yeah. all through my website, is halcruttenden.com. And uh, yeah. if you go to halcruttenden.com, you can get everything on there. Or just put my everything. name into Google. And yeah. That's all you do. I did all my research by putting your name into Google and a whole world of Hal Cruttenden stuff came up. So. Exactly. So if you're looking to date me, you look me up on you look up my YouTube stuff. Yes. Buy a ticket from the show, <laughs> and uh, if, if things go badly, you might end up in a, a long term relationship, and that oh, knackers has uh, uh, projects. Just was going to destroy it. So you're going to have to rewrite an entire show. I found love. I want again. to be that really lovable, sad, lonely man that people feel sorry for. That's <laughs> that's my angle. I've decided, <laughs> laughing through the tears. Well, time has caught up with us, Hal. But I, I have to say, this has passed really quickly because you're incredibly no, good fun. And I'm looking forward to, to seeing your show in Edinburgh as well, and, and try and catch up with you when uh, when you're in town. Brilliant. Looking forward to seeing. When, when are you on? Oh, I'm um, I'm doing two days as part of a show at the Beehive on the Grass Market, and I'm, the show I'm going to be on is Jay Lafferty and Friends, and I'm doing a kind of ten minute open spot for two okay. days, nineteenth and twentieth, which oh. is a Friday and a Saturday. So if you're wandering around on the Friday and the Saturday, nineteenth or twentieth, exactly, pop in, and I can come along and go. No, you're not a comedian. No, no. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> you do look funny. Just because you look funny doesn't mean you are. Yeah. Funny. <laughs> it's really horrible. Destroy. <laughs> your money, no, I'm on your no, honestly, I said I'm on your side. I like old comics. I think there's more should be more of yes. us. <laughs> Listen, Hal, thanks again for, for taking the time and joining us in uh, Laughter Unlocked, and we'll speak soon. Cheers, Simon. Take care. See ya. 